Good morning. Good morning. Are you guys ready to get in the Word this morning? Okay, we're going to get back to our series uh, final in just a second. I do want to quickly um, plug Easter just a little bit. Uh, Easter, for those of you um, kind of born and raised in the Christian faith, is the high holiday. Uh, It is is a celebration of a risen Savior. Amen? Amen. uh, But it's also an incredible opportunity to reach people. And so I want you to know that we are not just a keeping church. It's just us four and no more. We're right, you know. I know it's tight, but it's right. No, we are here. We exist for other people. We, our church is for all people. And so in order to be able to, uh, to, be able to uh, do something about that, we have to be intentional. And so I want to encourage you, number one, don't forget to get your tickets for Easter, okay? We're trying to get a good estimate and prepare accordingly. So would you please, we're taking it seriously as a leadership and as a dream team, but would you guys as frequent flyers, as I like to say, or as family members of the church, or just people just checking us out, maybe know you're going to come back, please get a ticket for Easter. Everybody needs a ticket for Easter. They're free. There's no expense or anything crazy dumb like that. Uh, but kids need tickets. You need tickets. We have services 8, 30, 10, and 11, 30 on Easter and um, we just want to be prepared. We want to do a really, 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 did I say really, good job, okay? So that's that about Easter. Also, again, it's the best opportunity to get a yes for you to invite somebody to church. So our assumption is that you love your church or you wouldn't be here, right? Can I have a better right than that? Okay, thank you. Um, so I believe in feedback, you know what I mean? I preach better when you feedback, you know what I mean? So if you want some good preaching, you got to help me out just a little bit. So... If, if you love your church, then we believe you'd want to give it away. Christianity, I always say, is like breathing. Take it in, and you're going to get really weird and kooky and crazy if you never exhale it. You just kind of blow up and blow away. So you got you know, you to let it go. You, you know what I mean? you got to breathe it on. you got to let it go on other people. So make sure you have a breath mint. But, uh, but make sure you're giving it away. So best time to invest and invite in people who are not a part of the church is now. The highest percentage chance of them saying yes to your invitation is now, okay? Um, so that's coming. That's, that's something I just want to share with you. Ask God, you know, put on your heart, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers. We got a service that's going to be awesome. Uh, great stuff for kids. Uh, so if you know people with families, uh, Easter, every kids, every service in, kids, in Connect Kids is awesome. But it's going to be amazing on Easter. Trust me. And then um, I want to make it easier for you, okay? So all you Facebook users, could you raise your hand? Facebook users. Come on, good and high, good and high, all Facebook users. Okay, all right. All y'all that don't use it, we pray for you to get saved after church today. Uh, just kidding. But, but we can do this through email, so we will send you an email. If we have your email, if we don't, then please put that on a connection card so we can send you this resource. My son uh, was asking me, Dad, you got to do something creative for Easter. You know, I love being around young people because they're always challenging you and poking you and like you just can't do things the same way and the kumbayas and Lord, I lift your name on high songs. Got to go away. We need something new and fresh. And um, so he said, Dad, you you should write a rap (laughs) and then do a video like of it, you know, inviting people to Easter. So I I got back in, I was like, you're crazy, but eventually I'm like, okay, so I, I'm in my bed one Monday, day off, and I wrote this rap that you guys are going to get to see. Okay, now listen, before they show it, if you like it, I'm asking you, we will post this on Facebook uh, tonight. It'll be fo- po- posted on our Connect Facebook tonight. I'm asking you to give this away, okay? Share it. That's what it says on there. Share, okay? So share it. Give it away. This will help you invite your friends to church and bust all the myths they have about church, especially Connect. Let it roll. Let it roll. AOD. What's up, man? Yo, what up, David? What are you doing here? I'm just kind of chilling, serving at my church, getting ready for our Easter services we got coming up. You, you should come sometime, man. I don't know, D. Listen, man, I promise you, it's not like anything you've ever been to before. I've heard that before, though. Here, let me see if this changes your mind. Bust it. Yo, this is Papa Dre bringing it hard. This here's the story about the greatest ever. It ain't about Rocky or Mylon the Feather. Came in a package too small to see. Lived among people like you and me. Strutted the earth, class and style. Keeping the commandments all with a smile. People stood in awe of the words he spoke. Sermon on the Mount, ain't no joke. He tried to tell us of the mission he was on. Nobody got it till he's already gone. Healed the sick, 
Touch the lane, and for a while there were peeps shouting his name. Later mean and angry, fueled by hate, they took our savior, sealed his fate. Stood before a pilot, quiet as a mouse. People screamed Barabbas, go back to your house. Sentenced to die, an innocent man, but God in heaven had a big plan. Want you to know, I want you to see, he's the man for you and me. Uh, mm. You want him, uh, you got him. Come on, do you want him? You want him, baby. Just bust the move. On a mission, one condition, go through hell and don't get burned. Looking for the keys that the devil did seize, then took them and set the captives free. Returned to earth, three days later, went up faster than an elevator. They saw a gardener, a god, a ghost, believe in him or you'll be toast. The story keeps going, the star is glowing, walking through walls, showing hands and feet, giving us proof before he takes the big seat. In case you wonder, in case you care, he did all this so we join him there. He's coming back, and that's no lie, one day through the eastern sky. Are you ready? It should be clear. Join us if on Easter. We'll be here. Okay. He can preach. He can sing. He can rap. What is up? Anyway, that's so fun. You, got, you guys going to give that away? Yes or no? Okay. All right. You got to help me out. Got to help me out. Whew. That's fun. All right. Let's get, let's get into this message. Can you do that with me? I don't know. That was just, I feel like we should like break out, like go hit the streets right now or something like that. All right. Anyway, we're in uh, like phase five in our series final. Final is uh, dedicated to the final week of uh, Jesus' life, and I, I would submit to you that if you had seven days to live, that your focus would increase. You would begin to think about the things that are truly the most important things, and you would want to pass those things on. You would want to share those things. You want to give those things away to your offspring, to your spouse, to your loved ones, to, if possible, the next generation, something that might even outlive and outlast you. And that's really what we believe Jesus was doing in the final week of his life. In fact, uh, half of the book of John, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, half the book of John was dedicated to the final week of Jesus' life. The Matthew, Mark, Luke, the synoptic Gospels, a third of those books were dedicated to the final week of Jesus' life. And he had these really important things to say uh, during that week. We talked about kind of in week one when he went, into, he went to church. Jesus went to church, and he was upset. And one of the things that he was upset about was that people had lost their zeal, that the zeal of God was not consuming them. They were not passionate about their faith. And, you know, like we say around here, anything that you love, it, it shows. I mean, it should be demonstrative. Romans 5, 8 says, God demonstrated, demonstrated, showed his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. So he showed up big by giving his life and demonstrating that. And so when he comes to church, after he did that for the church, and they're all selling stuff and sidetracked in religious behaviors and rules and liturgy and all that kind of stuff, he was fired up and he pulled out a whip and started going after people. Now, if I started doing that in church, we wouldn't have this many people in here right now. All right? But the point of the message was we need to stay passionately in love with God. And we, the truth is we all have passion. All of us have passion. It's just misdirected a lot of times. It's okay to love certain things. It's okay to love food. It's okay to love music. It's okay to love sports. It's just God wants to be first. You can have other loves, but he wants to be your first love. Can I have an amen or an oh me? Amen. All right. And then kind of in week two, we talked about the Seder supper kind of got in, I like to call it the progressive dinner or supper time. It's more current contemporary language for us to understand. But basically, Jesus celebrated the Passover supper with, with his disciples. And, and, and in truth, he was at that moment the fulfillment of the Passover. He was basically saying, I will, what in Exodus 6 it said, I will bring you out of Egypt and I will do this and I will deliver you and I will set you free. He was saying, I'm become the I will. I will do those things for you. I fulfill all that in relationship with me. And they went through this, this meal, and uh, it was what we call the Last Supper, but it was really the first communion. And we've been practicing that ever since, but sometimes we lose the importance or we don't see the progression that God wants to take us on through uh, this supper or through this communion experience or through this Seder supper, that there is a journey that Jesus is taking us on where he's getting us 
right standing with God, getting the things that are inside us out of us that are wrong, kind of getting us out of the world and getting the world out of us. And then he's helping us figure out what are we supposed to do with our life. And then we get doing it and we celebrate and we rejoice and we praise. And that was the fourth cup where anytime, anytime you had four cups of wine, everybody's praising the Lord, right? Like we talked about. All right. And, and so, and then last week we talked about the blood. Brother Charlie Erickson talked about the blood. Can I have an amen for Brother Charlie? All right. Make sure you tell him that. And then Today, I want to talk to you about kind of our silent partner. I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's got a lot of uh, uh, controversy around this particular person of the Godhead. And, and, um, and sometimes people don't really uh, understand him. But before I do, let me just say that right at this Passover, just before uh, Jesus is getting ready to die, it's like Thursday night, about 6 o'clock, they're eating this meal. The very next morning at 9 a.m., Jesus is actually on the cross. But just before that, in John chapter 14, which is in your notes, Jesus drops a bomb on them. He dropped a bomb on them, baby. Some of you know that song? No? All right. That's the Gap Band, by the way, trivia. He drops a bomb on them, and he basically says, guys, I hate to tell you this, but I'm getting ready to die. It just threw them for a curveball because these same disciples who had been in his posse, following him in a personal internship, discipled by him for three years, all think that this, this king, this master, he's going to become, uh, he's going to overthrow the Roman Empire and he's going to become a king. And they're kind of politicking and pushing for becoming members of the cabinet or certain positions and titles that they're looking forward to. And, and Jesus amidst that thinking that they are in, he drops a bomb on them. He says, oh, I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm going to die. Wow. And they're totally shocked, and they couldn't believe it because they were thinking something different was going to happen. In John 14, this is what happens. Look at it. John 14, verse 1, it says, guys, don't let your hearts be troubled. Again, right after he drops the bomb, he says, trust in God, trust also in what? Me. He basically says, I need you to trust me. I need you to trust me. I need you guys to trust me. He taps into the relational equity that he has established with his followers, these, 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 uh, this motley crew, and he says, guys, I know what you were thinking. I know where you thought this thing was going, where it was headed, but I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm going to die, but I need you to trust me. Interesting. Then he goes on to say, in my father's house, there are many rooms, John 14, I think, too. It says, if it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you, so I got some things I got to do. I will come back. I'll take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. Ultimately, that's what he does or will do. You know the way to the place where I'm going, to which Thomas later says, no, I don't. I don't have a clue what you're talking about. Jesus later says to him, to Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, before I get into the whole situation of the Holy Spirit, the relationship of the Holy Spirit to you and to me, I want to talk about Jesus' relationship uh, to you and to me as it relates to heaven and, and, and earth. And Jesus says, I didn't say it, he says, there's no other way uh, to get to heaven but through me. That's what he said. And I, I, sometimes people have a hard time with that. In our multiculturalism, in our... Um, I call it a tolerance theology that we have today, uh, you know, where I have to play it safe, don't want to ruffle any feathers, many roads lead to God, all this kind of stuff. In this world that we live in, you, you might say, you might think that's narrow-minded, that's exclusive, you know, do you actually believe that? And I just want you to know from Connect Community Church leadership, from me, from this pulpit to you, yes, I do believe that. I believe Jesus is the only way, all right? He's the way, the truth, and life, because he said it, that settles it for me. It may have connotations and, 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 mis, and may, may be sometimes misunderstood, but it doesn't necessarily make it wrong. In fact, I read about a college student uh, in a small, uh, a small class and his professor, who's a pastor, he was, um, he was basically, he asked this professor a tough question. He basically just said, how can what you say is, you know, a loving God, in other words, if God loves me so much, how can he threaten me with hell? Fair question, honest question. I actually like and embrace those kind of questions. I don't think God has a problem with tough questions. Jesus asked God a tough question on the cross, on his worst day, what we call Good Friday. He said, why, why, why have you forsaken me? I think it's okay to point your tough questions at God. I think we just have to be careful not to implicate him in the process or imply he's responsible. We need somebody who can answer our tough questions. So this kid, he asked, he asked this guy this tough question, and the, and the guy didn't know how to answer it. So I thought I'd answer it. <laughs> Sounds a little arrogant, but anyway, I just... 
I was thinking about this as I was reading, and, and I'll, I'll use an illustration, but years ago, my wife and I, we lived down the street here on 89 Pleasant Street. There was pros and cons of that. We uh, loved being really close to the church, and sometimes the church loved being really close to us. And uh, <laughs> so sometimes it wasn't enough privacy and whatnot, but we didn't have a, a, a we, we loved this house. We have fond memories of this house. It was fantastic, but there were, there were certain things about it sometimes were challenging. One is we had, we had a family of six, okay, and uh, four kids in uh, like a thousand square feet of space, three bedrooms. You can imagine at some point it became a little bit crowded. When Mallory started playing in the bathroom, I knew we, were, we needed some more space. You know what I mean? Came in the bathroom one time. Mallory, what are you doing here? She says, I'm playing. I, I said, why are you playing in here? She goes, there's no place else to go. <laughs> uh. Father, loser. But same, same situation on the outside. Madison, my middle daughter, I remember she was, she was learning how to ride her bike. Madison uh, wasn't so good at riding her bike initially, and so I had to stay out there with her and, and teach her and guide her or whatever, but we lived on a main street, and so there was this gravitational pull like a fly to one of those lights. She just kept heading towards the, 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 the main road, you know, uh, you know and, and death, as I, as I was thinking, you know, and she just kept gravitating that way, and so as a father... Listen to the progression. What I would do first is I would say, uh, before she heads that way, before even as I saw her kind of moving in that direction, I would lovingly tell her to stay here back near daddy. You need to be near daddy. Stay within my eye gate. Sounds like a loving father, doesn't it? But then, you know, I'd pull away just for a little bit. She'd start gravitating, you know, back towards that dangerous road, heading down the side of the house, heading towards the street. So second, I began to lure her with compliments, dangle kind words in front of her, gently instruct her, Madison, you need to come closer to daddy, you beautiful, wonderful, awesome, sweet, loving little thing. Get over here, honey. Get over here. You need to be close to daddy. Stay within the safety of my eye gate. And, and yet she still kept heading down that driveway. So lastly, I threatened her very life. <laughs> Madison, so help me, God. If you cross this line to that line, you are going to get it. You're going to get a licking. You're going to get, and we used to say this, you know, then, we say, you're going to get a spanking. Okay, daddy. Yes, sir, daddy. Yes, sir, daddy. Do you understand me? Yes, sir. Do you understand what I'm saying? You cannot go down the side of the drive. Do you understand? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I would sit her on my, on my knee, and I'd point her to the street and say, Madison, you cannot. Do you understand? Cars going by. Hair blowing. i say, you see how your hair is blowing? That would be your head. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't say that. But, <laughs> but what I would do ultimately is I would threaten her with the consequences of that path that she was on, right? Are you tracking with me? What will happen to you if you go into the street? Now, let me question I would ask. You don't have to answer it out loud. But am I any less loving when I gently called her back than when I threatened her? No, I'm not. And I think God's the exact same way with us when it comes to this subject. Is he, is he threatening us with hell? Is he any less loving when he does that? Then when he kindly and gently, the kindness of God leads us to repentance, Romans 4 tells us. But there, but there is an ultimate reality. There is an ultimate consequence. And if we, if we don't believe that, then I don't know why we abide by any rules in this world anyway. If we just believe it's over when we die, draw our last breath, buried six feet under, that's it, it's over. Have a ball. I would. You know, I would. I'm not even going to tell you some of the things I probably do, all right? So it's, 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 it, it, perhaps it's narrow, but is, is really narrow the issue or is what's best for us really the issue when we've sidetracked it in tolerance and multiculturalism and just hogwash? Jesus said, I'm the way, and they didn't like that answer so much. And then Jesus said, he saw this disappointment, and he goes on to say, hey, listen, guys, it's better that I go. It's better that I go because of what's about to happen, because if I go, I can reveal to you later my silent partner. And he starts to reveal this new person in the mix, and they, they knew about the father, and they were comfortable with the father, the father, you know, and, 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 he, and, and he, they were comfortable with Jesus, and they're on their way to Gethsemane, they're talking about it. And, and for the next three chapters in John, he talks about this silent partner a lot. He talks about it a lot. He spent a lot of time talking about it before he left, after he left, you know, when, after he was resurrected, before, you know, before, before he ascended, after he ascended, when he got back, the, you know, they talk about it just before the New Testament church. In fact, in Acts chapter 1, 
It says, John baptized with water, Jesus speaking, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses. It's all over the place. He keeps talking about it over and over and over again. Obviously, to Jesus, this silent partner, the Holy Spirit, was a very important person, a very important subject to share in the final days of his life uh, before and after. It was a big part of the, the new church as it, as, it, as, it was unfold, as it unfolded and as it was revealed to the world. And so we know it's clearly very important, yet this subject has more controversy, it is more confusion than any other subject probably in Christianity. That's very possible. And some people say, well, you know what, you know what, I'm, I'm comfortable with the father. I mean, he's, you know, it's like a, I look at him like a father figure, you know, just a strong, loving dad, or maybe he's kind of strong and strict dad, whatever. I'm comfortable with the father. I get that. I'm comfortable with Jesus because he paid for my sins, and, you know, I mean, he put it all on the line, and, but I don't know about this Holy Ghost. Turn your name and say, I don't know about this Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost! That's what the Pentecostal grandma do. Holy Ghost! <laughs> they do the little dance, go, Holy Ghost! I could go all day on this stuff. I grew up in church with some crazy charismatic, cray craze. okay? I grew up some genuine, in love with Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, but I also grew up with some crazy ones. My, my family, we could tell you stories all day long about some of this kind of stuff. In fact, charismatics are sometimes, and Pentecostals sometimes got a bad rap. In fact, I heard a joke about charismatics. How many charismatics does it take to change a light bulb? One, they said ten. One to change the light bulb and nine to cast out the spirit of darkness. You know what I'm saying? That's, people, got, they got a bad rap. But I don't know about you, but when I heard this, you know, the subject, I don't even, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost! I don't, I was scared of ghosts. I didn't even like Casper the Friendly Ghost. So the whole subject kind of, woo, you know, kind of made me nervous when I was a kid. I had a lot of ground to cover to get my arms around the role, the person, the works, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It took some time, but I thank God for godly people, godly influences, just the church, be able to kind of work it out, make sense out of it, because I just thought people that, you know, talk about this, you know, uh, engage in this, they're, 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 they're going to handle snakes, and they're going to be swinging from chandeliers. You know, it just kind of scared me. But the Holy Spirit is not what many of us think, and Jesus is just trying to say to us, as his own words introduce, trust me, you're going to be better off if I go and he comes. That's a big deal. What's up with that? What's the importance of that? How does, is that? Is that important to us today? I think it's very important to us today. But there's tons of confusion about it. There was this really respectable southern lady, and uh, she, uh, she was going on vacation with her husband. <laughs> and she wanted to visit this particular campground, but she's real kind of prim and proper, kind of like my mom, you know. And uh, I call her Zsa Zsa. And, uh, and she, uh, she wanted to know if the camp campground had a bathroom commode at it. That's what she would call it, instead of, you know, a john or a toilet. She wanted to know if it had a bathroom commode. And so she just, so prim and proper, she just couldn't bring herself to use that word when she inquired from the offices if they had that. So she emailed the office just to find out if they had a bathroom commode. But rather than say it because she felt so uncomfortable to say it, she just put the initials, knowing they'd understand, BC, you know? And so she inquired just to find out, does your campground have a BC? And uh, it would really help us, you know, in our planning and our preparation. We just want to know if this is the right place for us to stay. And so when the staff got it, the officer manager gets this email, and, and he looks at it, and he reads it, and just, he doesn't know what BC means. He's kind of confused by it. So he, he goes to his superior. superior says, oh, yeah, that's, she's, she's, she's a nice southern lady. She's looking for a Baptist church. Clearly, that's what she's looking for. It's a Baptist church. And so she's, this is how you should respond. Respond this way. And so the guy writes a, an email back to the lady, and this is, what he, this is what he says to her. Madam, I regret the delay in responding to your letter, but I'm happy to inform you, so that, uh, inform you that the nearest BC is just 12 miles outside the campground. It is capable of seating 250 people. I admit it's a little out of the way if you are in the habit of going regularly, but you'll be pleased to know that a number of people here pack lunches and they make a day of it. They usually arrive early and stay late. In fact, the last time my wife and I went was six months ago. It was so crowded that we had to stand up the whole time. It, it may interest you to know that a supper is being planned to buy more seats, a bean supper. Uh, it pains me very much that I do not go more regularly. 
But it's not because of a lack of desire on my part. It seems as we get older, it takes more of an effort. If you decide to come, I'll be glad to sit with you for the first time. Confusion. Tons and tons of confusion sometimes with, with symbols and with words and with our idea and misinterpretation. There are many ways you can take things, but Jesus meant it a certain way, and we need to figure out what that is. And I believe that that's what happened here with the subject of the Holy Spirit in our culture today. And I think there's three barriers. I want to give you three barriers to overcome these mis this misinformation, this misconception, these, these poor ideas and we, that I think Jesus wants us to understand regarding the Holy Spirit. Here's the first barrier to embracing our silent partner. Number one is ignorance. Everybody say ignorance. You just don't know what you don't know. Uh, I, I've seen two extremes when it comes to the subject of the Holy Spirit. There is either an overemphasis on the Holy Spirit, or there is an underemphasis of the Holy Spirit in a church. Listen to what I'm saying, especially if some of you have been around a long time. There's typically an, uh, either an overemphasis, too much majoring in the minors, going crazy with it, or there's an underemphasis. I submit to you, there actually needs to be more of an emphasis of the Holy Spirit in the church, but because the, 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 oh, the, 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 my, the minority speaks the most loudly and it gets such a bad rap, then the Holy Spirit and the emphasis of it is kind of minimized and shut down. I don't know if that makes sense to you. But sometimes there's such extremes and the experiences are so, let's say, uh, not grounded and rooted right, then we kind of just shut the whole thing down. So I think there actually needs to be more emphasis of the Holy Spirit as, our, as the person, the works. The, the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the church, but because there's such extremes that we've swung the pendulum the other way, there's a tremendous polarity the other way. Are you tracking with me? All right. But it, it, it takes away, ultimately, these two extremes, either way they go, it takes away from the main purpose, and that was to see lives change and people come to Christ. Jesus left not because evangelism of the world was done. It had just begun. And the Holy Spirit was there to help us with that process. In fact, Paul was on the way to Corinth, uh, 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 going to the city Ephesus. And in Acts chapter 19, in your notes there, he talks to some guys and, he's, and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? When you came to Christ, did you receive the Holy Spirit? They answered, no, we've not even heard there is a Holy Spirit. What are you talking about? Many don't even know what they don't know. Some have learned it the wrong way. Some have been misinformed. Some, because of ignorance or lies or whatever, have been kept from they're a silent partner. And here's my advice to you. Here's my advice uh, that I received is that don't listen to me. Don't listen to what somebody else has told you, especially if it's a barrier, especially if it's kept you from this partnership. Get to your Bibles. Trust Jesus' own words. Start over. Get a fresh page. Look at, you can look at the book of Acts, for example. It'll blow you away. Acts 2, 4, 6, 8, 19. You look at these particular chapters in the Bible, you see what was happening there. It was clear the Holy Spirit was a, a very important and impactful part of the early church and its development. And it was not meant to be something for a time and an apostolic age and then that's it. Poof, gone. See you later. No, Jesus said, I got to go. So he comes and he's with you to console you, counsel you, comfort you, come alongside you, as we'll talk about a little bit. So I encourage you to trust Jesus. This isn't about some weird transcendental experience. You know, the Holy Spirit's not an it. He's not a force. He's not a symbol, of uh, a status symbol, the haves and the have-nots. Oh, we have the Holy Spirit. Oh, hey, whoa, you must be really important. And you, oh, you don't, I'm sorry, it's really. No, this is, there's no second-class citizens in the economy of God based on their partnership awareness or, or practice of this whole relationship. Are you tracking with me? Sometimes it gets all blown out of proportion. And our silent partner was sent to, to you and I by Jesus himself. It's supposed to be a wonderful thing. Next, next uh, barrier is fear. Everybody say fear. fear. This was me. I used to be like this. I was afraid of, of, of God in a, in, a, in a sense. I was afraid of God sometimes because of sin in my life. I was scared he was going to put his microscope on me or flashlight right on that particular part of my life or zap me like Zeus with a light, lightning bolt. So I was a little bit afraid of God, just period, which some of that was good. <laughs> it kept me from doing some stupid stuff. Still did a lot of stupid stuff, but it kept me from some really stupid stuff. That's how I should have said that. But I was afraid in a measure, and some of the fear was, um, you know, kind of a, uh, I, didn't, I didn't want too much God because I was convinced he's going to send me to Africa, and I'm going to live in a mud hut. 
for the rest of my life, and I'll never get married and have a nice house and drive a BMW. And so I, I don't want more of that. I want more of that, because more of that isn't as good as more of that. That's what I thought. Is anybody tracking with me out there? Yes or no? And so we don't want to grow. We don't want to go forward, and we're afraid of kind of losing our life and losing control. In your notes, there's a, there's a scripture there from Ezekiel chapter 47, and this is an Old Testament prophecy, and I want, a modern, I want to translate it into modern times, okay? It's, this is an accurate translation, but I'm, I'm, I'm making a modernization of it for you and I to be able to understand. But basically what it's saying there is, I believe this is true of our culture, people get into the waters, the river of God, we get into the waters, and some of us just go ankle deep. We're comfortable to go ankle deep, like, okay, I got, I, I, I'm comfortable with God, my Father. I'm comfortable with Jesus. I want a relationship with him. I want to make sure, you know, I've said what, what they call the sinner's prayer, you know. I know that, by, you know, that, that I'll, I'll go to heaven one day because I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus, even though the Bible says the demons believe in Jesus. So it's not just enough to believe. You've got to put your faith, your hope, your trust in Jesus. But we, we're good being ankle deep. And then some of us, well, we're going to go knee high. We go another thousand cubits into the water. And we go, we go knee high and we're giving a little bit more. And now we're going to church, you know, a few times a year. And, you know, and we're, we're, our Bible comes off the shelf periodically. And, you know, it, but we're feeling that tug, you know, in the water a little bit. Then we go waist high. Now we're in, whoa, hey, this, I feel a pole here, you know what I mean? This cur- there's like a riptide in here. And, and now we're like, we're coming regularly. We're, we might be even going to a small group. We might be, I'm just putting into terms that Connect can understand. We're maybe, maybe uh, you know, giving back a little bit or something like that. We're feeling that pull. But this is what this prophecy is saying. There comes a place, right, where you, you get in so deep where it takes your feet right from underneath you. And you lose control. And most people won't go there. Most people won't cross that line where they'll, where they'll lose control. They'll either lose control of, I can't, I can't understand it in my finite mind. I want to keep God right in here instead of going from here directly to God, which is really what the Holy Spirit will do is he'll bypass your mind so he can go directly to your spirit to his spirit. Well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. But, this, but the prophecy says that if you'll cross that line, Says, when you get into that river and you just kind of let go and the current takes you, the Bible says that river is teeming with life. It's teeming with life. It's filled with, with, with pleasures and wonder and, and amazement. And it's a whole nother level for you and I. And so sometimes you might be that person just kind of satisfied ankle deep. I just want to encourage you, go in a little deeper. Go in a little, let that, let that, that current begin to pull you. If you're, if you're knee high, go in waist deep. If you're waist high, I think, I think you need to... You need to just go in. Let that current take you. I challenge you, uh, I, I believe, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to, to, to move deeper. Because that, that's what I think what Jesus is saying is trust me and surrender control. Surrender is how we get saved. Surrender is how we come into partnership with the Holy Spirit too. This is good preaching. It's better preaching than I'm getting amens for out there. Just a thought. Listen, just a thought. You don't want to be in control. You're better off if you're not in control. There's something controlling all of us at some measure right now anyway. The, the only thing that should control us scripturally, this is, this is good theology, is the Holy Spirit. I will not be mastered by anything, it says in 1 Corinthians, you know. The only thing that we should be mastered by is the Holy Spirit himself. Those that are sons and daughters are led by the Spirit, you know. All right, here's another barrier, resistance. We are naturally resistant people. Uh, God sometimes has to mess with us kind of to get us outside of this resistance. Acts chapter 7 verse 51 says, you stiff naked people, as my daddy would say, sounds like naked, but you stiff naked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you're just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. In other words, this is a generational problem. This has been going on for years, and I just think that God just wants us to stop resisting him. Don't resist him. You can resist the devil. James 4, 7 says, submit to God, resist the devil, and then he will flee from you. The only thing we should resist is the enemy of our souls who's trying to keep us from relationship with the one that Jesus left for us when he went. Are you tracking with me? This is, I'm enjoying this anyway. So. But if, 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 if we do, I think we can meet him. I think we can embrace him. And I, I, think, I think because of the, the emphasis on the experiential, because of the extremes and excesses that many of us have heard about, seen, maybe even experienced it, it keeps us 
from a relationship with a silent partner, and it's got to, it's just, it, and, and from the one who can help us in this cursed, messed up world that we live in. And, and I think the, the show, the, sometimes the charismatic show has kept us away from him, him, the, the Holy Spirit. And the, ex, the, the exhibitionism and the excesses of what we've seen have kept us from the secrets of intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. Listen, can I just tell you something as your pastor? I don't even know how to articulate this, really. But I have, I have seen it all. I've seen things that people call charismatic. It ain't charismatic. It ain't, it ain't the Holy Spirit. Is this good English? No, but it's true. A lot of things. We, there's a lot of me, church. I need to get high. We just left one high to have another high. So we just conjure up stuff. It's not God. If it is, I'm telling you something, it will attract everyone, including the lost, including the people who are disconnected from God. It would be so impactful. I just, I just really want the authentic. And so what I have to pray is don't try to control it what you think is not God. Don't, don't shut it down. But the flip side, and stay open and invitational to God to be able to move. And so we have a structure. We believe God is a God of order. God is a God of order. We believe there's a, there's a journey that people are on and, and that through relationship and with, when trust is established, the Holy Spirit can come into our lives and change our lives from the inside out. Are you tracking with me? And so we want to protect that. That's really what your pastor leadership wants to do is protect that potential so that somebody is not inoculated by overexposure too early to something they cannot grasp or understand or frankly, it's not even really the Holy Spirit in the first place. I'm, I, very few people talk about what I'm talking about right now. I hope it's helping somebody out there. It's not just about, ex, it's not about experience, although I believe in the experience. And, we, and, and it, is, it is a symptom or byproduct of relationship. I love my wife, so it shows on the outside. I love my kids, so it, it, the experiences reveal that. My love for my kids, and then my kids is in my lap, and I'm kissing on my daughter's neck. I was telling my daughter just last night how beautiful she was. Come over here, come over here. She thought, I, what do you want, Dad? What do you want? And then I told her how beautiful and how beautiful she was, and I said, give me a sip of your shake. <laughs> Get it right back at you, because you keep doing that to me all these years. I'm starting to pay, starting to pay off, coming back the other way. <laughs> but he can, he can trust his power to those people who know him, and so then it becomes real. That's when it becomes, oh, this is so, I just, uh, hope I can do this better. He's not someone who will make you crazy. He's not someone who will bring, he's someone who brings order and peace to your life. Do you know that the Holy Spirit originally in the Genesis account, he brought order to the earth, all the chaos of the earth. He was the executor of the will of God. You know, it's God the Father. He spoke, Jesus is the word. The word became flesh later, but he was the logos, the word of God. But the one who executed who made it happen was the Holy Spirit. He brought order to chaos. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He doesn't bring dis-ease or a lack of peace or frustration or confusion. That's the enemy. The Holy Spirit brings order to chaos and makes it all work. All right, so let's, let's let Jesus' own words introduce you to him. We find out five things in these three chapters that, we, that are all about this. And the first one is this. Number one, he, uh, the Holy Spirit, wants to be with me. He wants to be with me. This is the most important role of the Holy Spirit. I want to get things in order and prioritize for you from Jesus' own words. He, he, wants to, he wants to be with you. The word in the Greek is the word paraclete, not parakeet, paraclete. It's the one who comes alongside us and helps us. Uh, he's, he, he consoles, he counsels, he comforts. In fact, John 14, 6, it refers to him as the counselor. Some translations call him a comforter. I was saying this in the last service. How many of you have a comforter on your bed? How many have a comforter on your bed? You got one? Okay. All right. My mom, when I was a boy, she, uh, she's very prim and proper, and she's not here today, so I can say all this. Dad can attest to this. Uh, he may not remember this particular exact story, but uh, very prim and proper, right? I mean, she always like nice things. Everybody has to be nice. Our house is like a museum. You walk in, it's like, wow, is this all brand new? No, it's like 25 years old. I mean, just amazing. But she, she bought a new comforter one time, got the old one off, probably asked my dad for some money. Go, baby, get yourself a comforter. She comes back with like a $7 trillion comforter. He has no, oh my gosh, what have you done? And then had the comforter. And the end of the bed, it always had these little frilly, I don't know, doily kind of things on the end. I didn't understand all that with you women. I don't understand. Nice, super expensive comforters and then these doily, frilly things. And then We'd go in at night. My parents had a huge bed. Janelle and I would come in. We'd pile into the bed and, and uh, couldn't wait to get in there, enjoy the new comforter. Walk in the room, no comforter. Mom, where's the comforter? Oh, that's just for looks. 
Dad's looking like, what? We're looking like, what? This old raggedy taggedy thing is back in there again. Doily's gone. I'm like, what the heck is going on? No, we don't use that. I don't understand that about you women. I don't understand why, why you have all those towels that nobody can touch. <laughs> Listen, when, when my mom had them, I'd go in there, I'd wipe my hands all over those things. You know what I mean? I got to confess that. I feel so much better confessing that right now. I just tell you that? I feel so much better saying that. I just don't get it. I just don't get that kind of stuff. The truth is those comforters and those towels and those t-shirts and those teddy bears and all that kind of stuff are the most comfortable when they're used a lot. When, when, when you, you, they're not just left at the end of the bed or tucked away in a closet somewhere, the comforter of the Holy Spirit is just meant to be, not to be seen or just to be on show or display, but he's for our interaction, he's for our participation, he's meant to be in relationship with us. And the Holy Spirit, guys, this may make you uncomfortable, but I think you did this with your comforter and you did it with the teddy bear one day, he wants to snuggle up with you. He does, he does. Number two, he will teach me what to do. He will teach me. Everybody say, teach me. That's what it says in John 14, 26, that the Holy Spirit will teach us. His role, listen, some of you struggle reading your Bibles. Like, your Bible is like, it's, it's right up there with melatonin and NyQuil. It's like, NyQuil, melatonin, the Bible. You know what I mean? I'm having trouble sleeping. Whew, John 14. All right? You need to be honest, Okay? Here's why. Are you ready for this? You should be writing this down, okay? Here's why. It's because you're not inviting the Holy Spirit into your encounter with the Holy Scriptures, okay? You just, it can be feel like just like dead letter. It is inspired, but what, what, what brings the inspiration on you is inviting the Holy Spirit into that. The Bible says he'll, he'll teach you. So sometimes, and I think this has happened for probably most of you in the room, at some point in your life, you've been reading your Bible and you've been studying and sometimes it's dead and it's dry and you're just kind of going through the motions, check my box, I'm on day 156, I'm on one year Bible, yay God, next thing. But you don't remember anything about it. Other times you read it and it's like, boom, pops right off the page. You saw something you didn't see before. You kind of have an aha moment, a, a eureka, an, uh, you know, wow, all right? And you think that's you. It ain't you. You're not that smart. It was the Holy Spirit. But if you'll do that every time, he'll teach you. Are you tracking with me? 1 John 2.27 talks about that, that he, he will teach you all things. So when you get ready to read your Bible, involve him. Involve him. Number three, he will help me share my faith. Say, share my faith. It may shock you to know this, but I grew up with, I grew up with even though I was in a Christian home, my, my dad uh, I was a converted atheist. He was a camel smoking, bourbon drinking, two-fisted, you know, uh, a burp, burp, yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever. He had a whole little diatribe, what I can't remember right now all of a sudden. And, but he got saved. He gave his heart to Christ and he told everybody about Jesus, including his family. He went all kinds of people to the Lord. And it was just intimidating because I was scared to death to share my faith. And somehow, I don't know what it is, just the, the plan of God in my life, God put me around these super strong personalities. If it wasn't my dad, it was, it was this guy Bruce, it was Charlie Erickson, it was this guy Matt Carmody, it was these different people, and they all hurled me into Don Massett. All these different people hurled me into these evangelistic opportunities. I call them threats. And, and we're going to go up today, Derek, I'm going to take you along, we're going to go door-to-door, and you're going to knock on people, and you're going to pass out tracts, and we're going to handle flyers, and you're going to say this, and, you, and when they say that, you say this, and da, 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 da. I was always sick on those days. You know? I didn't want to get anybody sick. I felt bad. <laughs> no, but I was scared to death. I had a fear of man. I had an approval addiction. I wanted everybody to like me, and it was horrible, and, and uh, they, they would keep trying to encourage me, but... But it didn't work. But when I met the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, then I, I, I got over my fear of man. It made me bold. It emboldened me. And you can see this all throughout the scriptures. Peter, who had that internship with Jesus right up alongside him, was referred to as a rock when he wasn't acting like a rock. He was acting like a pebble. When, when he, he, he couldn't even share his faith with a young slave girl. But 50 days later, he's preaching to 3,000 people. His life had been threatened a couple of different times. Miracles are happening. Why? He met the Holy Spirit. The person of the Holy Spirit made him bold. If you struggle to share your faith, but you want to, if you see opportunities knock, they pop up, but you don't speak up, it's because the Holy Spirit, you're not in the relationship with the Holy Spirit the way he wants you to be. You're still knee high or ankle high or maybe waist high, but he wants to throw you right into that so he can make you bold. 
Are you tracking with me? And you won't worry, and you'll have the right things to say. You'll have a timely word and an apt reply, and you'll have conviction in what you say, and your words will have, they'll have a weight to them because the anointing's behind them. This is good preaching right now, okay? This will help some people. So if you, I'm trying to, I'm trying with Jesus' words to invite you into relationship with the Holy Spirit. Number four, he will convict me when I'm wrong. He will convict, everybody say convict me. Just before you're going to do something wrong, this is what the Holy Spirit does. This is what a relationship with him does. He, he, we call it in, in Christianity, you know, typically what we call it is a check in your spirit. You just got to check. You know what I mean? It's like a shiv in basketball. You know, you're not going, don't go any further. You still could spin around that because I got a mean spin move. Uh, and I got a crossover. It's pretty good between the legs, behind the back. Okay, they don't want to hear about it. All right, so the point is you can get a check in your spirit when you're getting ready to go down the wrong path. And it kind of stops you from going forward. The Holy Spirit will do that. And it's, it's, oftentimes, it's like, it's like an umpire. It's, it's, you, you don't know necessarily why, but it may keep you from uh, 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 a poor decision in, in, in job opportunity. It may keep you from a poor investment. It may keep you from a, uh, dating a girl you shouldn't date or a guy you shouldn't date. And there's just that check in your spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit is there for you to do. And I don't know if you knew that, but that's what it's about. And he, so he makes the Bible come alive. He helps you share your relationship with God. He keeps you from the wrong path or from wrong decisions. There's a prophecy in Isaiah that says he'll whisper and just say, don't go that way, go this way. Here's the thing about the whisper, by the way, as I, as I make this point. The whisper of the Holy Spirit, that he's a still small voice. You can see multiple examples in the scriptures about this. You can turn the volume of the Holy Spirit down. You can. Or maybe you're not turning it down, but the volume of everything else is so loud, it's just overshadowed the voice of the Holy Spirit. I don't hear the Holy Spirit. It's because you've turned the volume down by your choices or because of your distractions, which the enemy is incredibly, incredibly equipped and talented at. The volume of everything else is so loud you can't hear. That's why, can I just encourage you, that's why you got to get alone with God every day. That's why you're, 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 we call it devotions, your personal alone time, self-evaluation, self-reflection, even just quiet, just being still. Read your Bible, then, but then be still. Pray, wait. Those that wait upon the Lord, they'll renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll get on those thermal winds and just glide over circumstances, see everything differently from chopper command. They look at things totally differently because they've waited upon the Lord. Then you look down and you see all of that stuff through a different lens. If you don't do that, Somebody help my dad with his phone. He's really not good at that. Uh, <laughs> my dad's on the phone right now in the middle of the service. Can you believe that? Anyway, he can explain that later. So <laughs> the Holy Spirit will teach you that, Dad, later, okay? Uh, he needs to teach my dad about how to use the phone. Um, <clears throat> so trying to get back to my point. You're, you're, you're up there. You're, you're meant to get alone to get away so that that can happen. Otherwise, then the, the, the storms of life, the distractions of life, all this stuff will take you over. That's what happens. Is everybody tracking with me now? All right? So here's what, here's what the Holy Spirit does. Just like I told you, when you go into relationship with the Holy Spirit, you have to make a choice to walk from ankle to knee to waist to right on in, dive in, Right? Well, here's, here's what's so great about the Holy Spirit. Your partner, your friend, and I want you to see how much he loves you. When you start walking away from him, he'll start trying to whisper in your ear. Well, I turned him down. Oh, other distractions come. You know what he does next? He works through people. The Holy Spirit will speak through people. I call them prophetic warnings. He'll come in there, and he'll talk through a person. He'll just say, hey, you know, you, Louise, get up in my face. You know, uh, you know, the Lord told me to, you know, I, I just want to share something with you. you. You weigh it, but I think, you know, you need to be careful with all those Red Bulls. All right? Or, or it doesn't always come in the best package, as sweet and as nice as like my mother here in the faith. No, it, comes from, it can come from, you know, a little bit more salsa. It might come from my wife. You know what I mean? And she kind of like, honey, you're being an idiot. <laughs> Translation, God is speaking through me to you. Stop doing that. But... Some of us still drift away. We're going to go even further away from the river of God. And then what he'll do is he'll use circumstances. Some of you are here right now or know people in this situation. And he doesn't cause them, but he'll leverage them. He'll speak through them. He's trying to draw you back into the river. Are you tracking with me? All right. He's trying, the last point, he's trying to guide you to truth. He's trying to guide you to truth. He's throwing you out of line and he's saying, follow this rope back to me. Follow me back. Amen. Will you stand on your feet? Let me pray for you. You guys get something out of this? Yes. Amen.
Praise the Lord. Let's uh, just close our eyes. Let's give, let's give the Lord a minute. This is a really important moment. If I could just have your attention. Be still. Just please be still. Honor the Holy Spirit. He might be saying something to some of you beyond what I could say. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you through this message? Maybe Jesus is calling you first. He came with an open invitation. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Then he said, I got to go so the Holy Spirit will come. So I think there's two groups here. I think there's one that hasn't accepted that fact, but they're willing to today. I'm willing to say that I need Jesus. I can't save myself, and today's the day. And I think there's a second group that's just saying, I've had these barriers and I've had these walls, and I am willing today to step into the water a little bit deeper. I'm going to go down that path. I'm going to get back in my Bible again, and I'm going to, I'm going to start with a fresh page today. If you're the first group and you just know you're, the first, you're in that first group, you know you just haven't made that decision about Jesus, about the Son of God. If that's you, would just good and bold. Just raise your hand and say, that's me. I, I need to know Jesus personally. I don't want to miss that. God bless you, sister. Awesome. That is awesome. God bless you at the back. Thank you. Is there anybody else I'm missing here in the middle? I, I don't know if I missed somebody. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Oh, that's so awesome. Love it. Now, if you're in that second group and you've had these barriers, you've had these walls up, different reasons, and, and, and they're coming down, and you're ready to engage in that relationship with the Holy Spirit afresh, would you raise your hand and say, that's me. Pray for me, Pastor. I want to I start over fresh. Good and high. Good and high. Holy Spirit wants to see your hand. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Would you just join me as we pray then? Put your hand down. Everybody pray this again. Those in particular in that first group, just pray this with me. This prayer won't save you. Believe it in your heart, Will. It's a big deal what you're getting ready to do. Say, Jesus. Everybody nice and strong. Jesus, save me. I want to be in right standing with you, God. I know only you can make that possible. And I sense today that this is right. I'm calling on you. I invite you to be my Savior and Lord from this day forward. In Jesus' name. Now, Father, I pray for that second group. I pray, Lord, that you help them on their journey now. Give them a fresh start, God. Get in your Bible. And, Lord, just I pray the Holy Spirit be there when they're reading those scriptures, Lord. That you fill them with your spirit. That you, you draw them to yourself, God. That you convict them. That you teach them. That you guide them. That you show them. That you, that you comfort them, God. You be their counselor, Lord. That they see, Holy Spirit, that you're meant to be their best and closest friend. That it's about the person, not so much the experiences. That the experiences are a byproduct of that relationship. Lord, make it real. Make it come alive. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Let's give the Lord the best hand clap we can for his word. Amen. Amen.